Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in episode 128. What's right with Nick Wright and our first show without Demonze is also our first show with a sponsor brought to you by our friends at Visa. What's right. That's all it took. Demonze stayed in New York. We go to Arizona. We're out of the Super Bowl and we've got, you know, one of America's greatest companies sponsoring the show. So shout out to Visa. So we are live at the Super Bowl. My team is in the Super Bowl. It's, you know, not only my team, but you know, the most talented player we've ever seen, a team that's about to start a dynasty. And yet, despite all of that, somehow the NBA found a way to make themselves the lead of the show. We will get to that in a moment. We'll get to what we're not talking about in a moment. If you're new to the show, keep in mind, jump into the chat. You can uh, ask questions. You can vote in our polls. And in the third block of the show, the third segment, I will answer those questions of yours. Uh, and also, I'm told Demonze is active in the chat right now. And I think he's mixing some things up with our listeners and viewers. I'm not sure if that's a good idea or not, but it's fine. So here's what's not on today's show. Kyrie makes his Mavs debut, debut, scores 24 points. They win, not in the show. Jalen Brown, elbowed by Jason Tatum. He's going to miss some time with a facial fracture. That's not in the show. And Aaron Rodgers doing four days and four nights in total darkness so he can make the decision, spoiler alert, he knows what the decision is. He's going to decide to accept the $60 million that he gets by playing next season. Okay, that's what's not in the show. Here's what is in the show. Somehow, as I mentioned, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl, yet it is not the top story. Somehow, the Lakers finally traded Russell Westbrook and LeBron passed Kareem since we last talked, and that is not the top story because late last night, I'd love to be able to tell you this happened while I was sleeping, but this happened while I was in a very juicy PLO game at uh, Casino, Arizona, just 20 minutes from the hotel. I had to pull me away from it. But while I was playing in that game around 11 p.m. Arizona time, Kevin Durant was traded to the Phoenix Suns. So Bill Barnwell made this point, and it's a good point. We'll talk about every angle of this, which was Kevin Durant, this last four days were the first four days of Durant's career since he was a Seattle supersonic as a rookie that he was on a team without another future first ballot Hall of Famer. And my guy just couldn't stand it. <laughs> Get me out of here. I, 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 what do you what do you, you expect me to carry these bums? Not happening. He gets traded. He's now a Phoenix Sun. 
I actually do not think the biggest story here, for my purposes, the most interesting story, I should say, is what it means for the Suns. We'll get to that in a second. I want to talk about what this means for the Nets and what this means for Durant. So for the Nets, they have shown no consistency in their moves. And that I'm not talking about over the last three years. I'm literally talking about over the last three days. And that is because, as I get a coffee delivered to me, see, this is great. This stuff never happens when we're live in the, the studio in New York City. I got to go to the bodega next door. I got to make sure the door is still locked so no one breaks into the boutique while we're recording the show. Now, I have Fox executives like Angie Matarazzi. Sorry if I mispronounced your last name, Angie. Bringing me coffee, but you know, just waiting on me hand and foot. It's unbelievable. Okay, now to the point. The Nets traded Kyrie. Fine, no problem. He was burning it down there like he burnt it down in Boston, like he burnt it down uh, with the Cavs, and like he probably, unfortunately, will eventually burn it down with the Mavericks. But they traded him for pieces that help you right now. Dorian Finney-Smith is a super useful player if you're trying to win playoff games. Knock down threes, guard the other team's best wing. Makes sense. Spencer Dinwiddie, limited, but can get you buckets. And they only got one draft pick out of that, one first-round pick. The reason you trade Kyrie for that and not for a draft pick-laden package or a young blue chipper is because you're like, well, we're rolling with Durant. We're going to see what Durant can do, see if we can maybe flip Dinwiddie for something additionally. But now, three days later, you trade Durant and you're ripping the whole thing down to the studs. So there is no consistency in your moves. If you are ripping it down to the studs, if that is what you want to do, so be it. But if that's what you want to do, then you've got it. Then the better trade for Kyrie, honestly, was probably the Lakers trade that would have gotten you two first round picks. You can maybe argue the Suns trade if you uh, really wanted to then be able to flip Chris Paul somewhere else and get picks for that. But the Nets, they... They owe their own draft pick. Here's what their draft capital as far as their own draft picks are. 23, that's this year, it won't matter. 25 and 27, the Rockets can swap with them. 24 and 26, they just give their first round pick to the Rockets. So for the next five seasons, it does not behoove them to be terrible. So how do you trade Kevin Durant and not get a blue chipper back or... Great draft capital. Oh, Nick, they got four first-rounders for the Suns. The Suns, for the entirety of the time that those first-round picks are conveying, will have Devin Booker. Forget how much of the time they have Durant, because he is 34, and he's fickle. He could leave. But with Aiton, who's a flawed player, but fine, and Booker locked up long-term, those picks are not going to be great picks. So the too-long-didn't-read version of this is, I don't think Sean Marks knows what the hell he's doing. And this experiment in Brooklyn is one of the most just never even got off the ground. You can't even call it an era, just utter failures. And now we move to what it means for the Suns. On paper this moment, are they the favorites in the West? Probably. On paper right now, is Durant in a good position to win another title? Probably. Does this, however, 
raise the stakes for Durant in ways that I don't think they have been raised for him since Oklahoma City, unequivocally. And here's what I mean. This Suns team two years ago made the finals. Last year, they were the number one seed before Luka knocked them out. Now, the way the Suns people will tell you, they had a COVID outbreak within the team or some some other issues, and that's what happened, but whatever. This is a team that has a top 15 guy in Booker, that has uh, Chris Paul, who is at a different place of his career, one of the best leaders in the sport, and now Kevin Durant. And you add DeAndre Ayton to it. I like Monty Williams. The West is wide open. I totally understand why Kevin Durant, uh, why the Suns would do this. It's a no-brainer for them. For Durant, however, he is now in a position he was not in in Brooklyn. Maybe he would have been, but if we go through the timeline in Brooklyn, first year out with an Achilles, second year they trade for Harden, everyone expects them to win. However, then Harden gets hurt, Kyrie gets hurt, Durant gets knocked out in round two and got credit for that. People loved what Kevin Durant did in that series against the Bucs. I was one of them. I thought game five against the Bucs two years ago was the single best performance of Kevin Durant's career. And then game seven, he goes toe-to-toe with Giannis, toe-to-toe, literally toe on the line. They don't win the game. Last year, they get dog-walked in round one, but not a lot of smoke for Durant. Yeah, he didn't play well in that series, but everyone understandably was putting all the blame on Kyrie because Kyrie blew the team up. This year, this team was 18-3 and over a 21-game stretch. Then Kyrie blew the team up again. If KD had just stood pat, he was in a position with some good defenders, some good shooters. If he can go Pantheon for a playoff run, like we know he can, but we've never seen him do without Steph Curry alongside him, without being the massive favorite, He could have, to me, added a notch in his legacy belt. Now he's in a position where anything short of winning the championship, people are going to come for him. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe they'll win the title. But And if they do, you know what? If Chris Paul gets a championship, I think everyone's going to be happy to a degree, except for the half dozen people he's elbowed or punched in the groin throughout his career. So Those people will be angry. Julius Hodge holds that meeting every first Tuesday of every month, the Chris Paul Haters Club. It's a rapidly expanding group. But uh, it's an odd, it's an odd spot for Durant. Basketball-wise, I like the fit. I don't understand why the and last thing point on this. You cannot convince me the Nets couldn't have gotten a bigger, a better return if they had traded him this past summer or next summer. I'm I don't understand how they didn't get a better return right now. You're telling me New Orleans, which has way more valuable draft picks than Phoenix. They have two Laker picks they can do things with. They have all types of picks. You're telling me New Orleans wouldn't have given you Brandon Ingram and a piece or two plus a bunch of picks for Kevin Durant and said when Zion gets healthy, we have Durant, Zion, CJ McCollum. I don't understand how this is the best move the Suns could have made. Now we move on to the greatest basketball player anyone's ever seen and the scoring title, and the Russell Westbrook trade. Okay. So, LeBron breaking the scoring record, it's 
we've talked about it on this show. I talked about it on the TV show, and we're live out here at the Super Bowl. What's right with Nick Wright, presented by our friends at Visa. So I don't, we don't have to belabor the scoring record point too much. However, I do just want to give some context to it, which is, will this record ever be broken? So here's all you need to know. No one in league history has ever averaged more than 30 points a game. It's Michael Jordan and Wilt Chamberlain, the two guys to average 30. So let's just say someone comes into the league and can score like Jordan, 30 a game. And let's also recognize that LeBron is not done scoring. He's at 38,000 and change, right? So let's say, just for simple math here, he plays a couple more years and finishes at 42,000 even. So at 30 points a game, how many games do you need to play to get to 42,000 points? That's easy math. 42,000 divided by 30, we're at 1,400 games. What's that mean? Well, if you played for 20 years and averaged 70 games a year and averaged 30 points a game for your career, that is 42,000 points. And I understand some people say, oh, well, people score more now. Yeah, but they also play they play fewer games. So I say all that to say this. This record ain't being broken while I'm alive. And, oh, Nick, could, like, what about current players? How close is Steph? Context. Take all of Steph's career points, add to it all of Damian Lillard's career points, and you barely pass LeBron. What about Luka? What would Luka have to do? All Luka would have to do to break this record is play 14 more years and average 30 a game playing 72 games a year. He's never played 72. What about Giannis? Giannis needs 12 more years of of 30 points a game. What about Durant? Durant needs six more full seasons at 30 points a game. So no active player is going to come within sniffing distance of it, and I don't think this record's going to be broken. And it really is going to put the Jordan acolytes in a logical vice when you break down the fact, well, who was better younger? Well, I don't know. When LeBron was 21, he finished second in league MVP voting. Michael Jordan at that age was getting bounced in the Sweet 16. When LeBron was 22, he was taking Sasha Pavlovich to the NBA Finals. Jordan was getting beaten round one by Sidney Moncrief. Well, when LeBron was... In his late 30s, he was averaging 30 a game for a sub-500 team. Jordan was averaging 20 a game for a sub-500 team. Well, what about the peaks of their career? Well, LeBron had a 10-year stretch where he went to nine finals, won four rings. Jordan, yes, he won six in an eight-year stretch. LeBron in those finals beat a top 15 all-time player in Tim Duncan, beat a top 15 all-time player in Steph Curry, beat a top 15 all-time player in Kevin Durant. Jordan in those finals beat one top 20 all-time player in Magic Johnson when Magic Johnson was. He was still great, but not at the peak of his powers. There, We are running out of excuses as to why the guy who played the longest at the highest level against the toughest competition with the most media scrutiny, with, with doing everything just right. And one other note here, well, what about what the help he had? The teammate who played the most games ever with Michael Jordan was Scottie Pippen. The teammate who played the most games ever with LeBron James is Adrunas Ogauskas. Second place, by the way, is Anderson Barajal. 
the coach Michael Jordan played under the most games was Phil Jackson. The coach LeBron James played under the most games is Mike Brown. And so I'm going to go ahead and say that the guy who's going to finish with 10,000 more career points than Jordan when the only argument for Jordan is he was a better scorer. And when you ask people to explain that, they start saying things like you had to be there and just trust me that this LeBron Jordan debate is going to look like a foolish one, which then brings us to the context in which he broke the record, which was his teammates not being bothered to try, which is why the Lakers had to make the move that they made uh, yesterday trading Russ. And I do like the pieces they got back. I also think they have another move to make. So here's a nuance of the trade. The first round pick they traded is top four protected. That there is, all right, we're going to get real nerdy here for a moment. There is usually a detriment to protecting your draft picks, which is it encumbers the future picks you can trade. So you're not allowed to trade back-to-back picks in the in the NBA. So if you, have, if you trade your 2027 pick, you can't trade your 2028 pick. You can't trade another pick to your 2029 pick. With that said, if you protect that pick, and then it's like top four protected, and then the next year it's unprotected, you then, the 2028 pick becomes encumbered because it theoretically could be the pick you trade, which then means you can't trade 2029, it gets complicated. I know that's probably not that interesting, but this is what matters. The Lakers protected the 2027 pick one through four. If it ends up falling one through four, it just turns into a second round pick. That matters because it means they can still this moment cleanly trade the 2029 first round pick. And by 3 p.m. today, I think it's on the board. They will have traded Patrick Beverly for Boyan Bogdanovich, including that 2029 first round pick. You do that and you're cooking with gas if you're the Lakers, if you figure out what's going on with Anthony Davis. Because the other odd thing about that record was every single person in that arena was standing except for AD. And AD seemed disengaged and disinterested. I have a theory. This is backed up by no reporting. This back, I'm rep- I am personally reporting this based on vibes. I think Anthony Davis got wind that when the Lakers were calling about Kyrie, they also said, all right, just curious. Um, you moving Durant? Anthony Davis for Durant, any interest there? I think he got, I think he got wind. His name was in trade rumors and he detached from the team on that night. If Anthony Davis reconnects with the level LeBron's playing at and now some legitimate shooting, listen, I don't love D'Angelo Russell. I do like Malik Beasley and we'll see if they make another move. The Lakers could be interesting. Championship level, probably not, but interesting. So I don't, I said on TV yesterday that if the Lakers make no moves, LeBron should never play another game for them. He broke the record with them. He brought them a championship. He did his job. The Lakers are now at least attempting to field a competitive roster. There's only 27 games left though. It's unbelievable. Only 27 games left. If we think you got to be 500 to make the play in, they're 25 and 30. Do they have a 16 and 11 stretch in them? We'll find out. Now... As we do Watch Right with Nick Wright presented by Visa, we get to 
the stadium behind me, and the reason we're here, which is the Super Bowl. So what our wonderful producers at Blue Duck here have said we should talk about is legacies. They write, the legacies of the Chiefs coach and quarterback combo will change this weekend. Who has more to gain, who has more to lose between Mahomes and Reed? All right, let me talk about this more to lose nonsense. And this is so much, and I'm sorry to once again bring up basketball, but so much of how the modern sports fan consumes content is actually some, it is media reverse engineering to to explain the end point of the story being Michael Jordan's the greatest athlete ever. So what do I mean? What I mean is folks decided 10, 15 years ago in ways that never stand up to even the this smallest logical push that losing in the playoffs is fine unless you get all the way to the final game of the season and lose that one, in which case you stink. It was a failure. And that is the context with which we could talk about Mahomes or Andy Reid's legacy taking a hit here. The reason that is an absurdity is because had Patrick Mahomes in a game he was an underdog at home, had Patrick Mahomes, they actually went off as a slight favorite, but they were underdog most of the week, on one leg, lost to the Bengals last last week, no one would be saying his legacy took a hit because you're allowed to lose pre-Super Bowl or pre-NBA Finals, and nobody cares. But it's idiotic. It makes no sense. It should always be good to win, and it sh- you should never get credit for losing earlier. And because along that same logic, Mahomes has had one playoff meltdown his entire career, the AFC Championship game last season. And nobody kills him for it. And it makes no sense because what I know is had Mahomes not had that meltdown, played well in that game, and then lost the Super Bowl, all we'd be hearing this week is, ah, oh, the guy's one and two in Super Bowls. And it, 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 it doesn't, it, it makes no sense on any level, but that's where this is coming from, right? So Patrick Mahomes, what he has to lose is, I would argue, nothing. And similarly with Andy Reid, these are both made men and they're playing an excellent team, overall team. And Mahomes already has elevated himself to a place faster than any athlete I've ever seen. And the place is this. He has not started five full seasons yet. And he already is in a spot where his only competition are ghosts and legends. Nobody can have the Mahomes versus Allen or Burrow or Trevor or Herbert or Hertz conversations. All The only people he's competing with are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana. Now that eventually, like, so for LeBron, that eventually happened. But first it was LeBron versus Kobe. Then it was LeBron versus Durant then LeBron versus Steph, and only 16 years into his career, 
did it become LeBron versus ghosts for Tom Brady for 12 years? It was Brady versus Manning. And then eventually it became 15 years, Brady versus ghosts. And then, then it became Brady versus no one. Mahomes already has elevated himself to that place. If he wins, you can make a very strong argument. He's the second greatest quarterback of all time. There is no argument that he is not top four all time. If he wins. The full list of quarterbacks in NFL history that have two Super Bowls and two league MVPs. Tom Brady, Joe Montana, Peyton Manning. With a win, Mahomes joins it. The full list of quarterbacks in NFL history that have two Super Bowl MB, two Super Bowl MVPs and two league MVPs. Joe Montana, Tom Brady, that's the list. Mahomes can join that group. For Andy, it is a very interesting spot. So the, the Andy Reid resume is, I think, far better than people think. So Andy Reid right now is fifth on the all-time wins list. Next year, he will become fourth. He is three behind Tom Landry. Tom Landry's at 250. Belichick's at 298. George Hallis, 318. Don Shula at 328. All-time playoff wins. Andy Reid has the second most of all time. Andy Reid has been to... Let me count them off. One, two, three, four, five. He has been to 10 conference championship games. Andy Reid has been to the playoffs 18 times. He has been to the Super Bowl four times. If he wins, you start having the discussion, is he a top five coach ever? I would argue he already is a top 10 coach ever, but he starts getting in the true upper crest with a victory. And if he loses it, ha I, I'm not, I'm absolutely not going to be someone that kills a guy who all he has done is have average to slightly above average quarterbacks for the entirety of his career and had them have career years. And then finally got a great quarterback and they host the AFC Championship game every single year and make the Super Bowl 60% of the time. All right, lastly, the other side of this game, the Philadelphia Eagles. This is what my producer's right here. Philly's been the one seed all year and their favorite Sunday. Yet, they keep saying they're being disrespected. As a believer in bulletin board material, does this scare you? The thing is, they're not being disrespected by the Chiefs. By the media, maybe. By me, sure. But neither of these teams for this game can effectively play the no one believes in us card. The reason people have some yeah buts about the Eagles are totally legitimate. Yes, they have a dominant pass rush and their defensive numbers look great. They also have played one of the worst collections of quarterbacks you'll ever see. And when you look at the only quality, true quality quarterbacks they have played all year, you say Dak, you say Rodgers, you say the Prince that was promised, you say Jared Goff. 
every single one of those quarterbacks, aside from the Prince that was promised, scored at least 33 points on Philly. Prince that was promised started that game up 14-0. There was then a torrential downpour, and he started just fumbling the ball. I mean, he had five turnovers in that game. They still scored 21. The Eagles since, let me get the exact date on this. Since Christmas Day, here's the entire list of quarterbacks that they have faced. Andy Dalton, Davis Webb, Daniel Jones, and then the Brock Purdy-Josh Johnson combo. So you take that. You then also take the fact that while everyone likes Jalen Hurts, he has not been the same player since he hurt his shoulder. Jalen Hurts was having an unbelievable season. And then in the Bears game, he hurt his shoulder. Since then, he threw 229 yards, zero touchdowns, one pick against the Giants' backups. He threw 154 against the Giants in the playoff game and ran the and threw for 121 against the Niners, 40 yards of which were on an incompletion. He has, in the three games since he hurt his shoulder, run the ball for a total of 86 yards on 29 carries. He has not been the same guy. And you can say, well, the Eagles offense hasn't struggled. And if you look at points scored, that's true. But in that Niner game, they didn't have 270 yards of offense. It was the Niners fumbling the ball. It was defensive penalties extending drives. It was the Niners eventually having all motivation sapped because they were running the veer and the wing T offense. So if Jalen Hurts, he doesn't even have to play Mahomes to a draw. If he can play Mahomes to 10-9 rounds instead of 10-8 rounds, the Eagles should win the game. I do not think he can, and I think the Kansas City Chiefs win this game. Now, the producers want me to give you a score prediction. I'm not ready to do that yet. What I will tell you is this. The Chiefs have either won or lost by four or fewer points for 32 games in a row. Blowing this team out is not available. You add to it that the Chiefs have played far tougher competition to get here and that they are healthier right now than they have been at any point all year. McCole Hardman being out for this game notwithstanding, he was out for the last three months of the regular season. There is a script where the Kansas City Chiefs start this game out 14-0, and the Eagles are in real, real trouble. There's also a script where the Eagles keep it close. The keeping it close part, however, the Chiefs have played a bunch of, of four-quarter nip-and-tuck games all year, including both of their playoff games. The Eagles have not. I don't know if they're ready for it. Sirianni's first Super Bowl, Jalen Hurts' first Super Bowl versus Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. Give me the Chiefs and give me the beginnings of a dynasty. And by the beginnings of, I mean we're full on into it. Five years, worst you ever did. If they win on Sunday... The worst season they had under Patrick Mahomes would have been his first season as a starter 
hosting the AFC Championship game and losing in overtime. The second worst season would have been last year, hosting the AFC Championship game and losing in overtime. Patrick Mahomes has lost two, three playoff games ever. Two of them were overtime field goals in the AFC title game, and one was a Super Bowl that we don't talk about. Take a quick break. Come back. Find more reasons for you guys to sign up with our friends at Visa. Answer your questions in a moment, but first we're going to play a game. Take a quick break. What's right live from the Super Bowl. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome back in episode 128. What's right with Nick Wright live from the Super Bowl. Today's show presented by Visa. And you know what? Thanks to our friends at Visa, we have a brand new segment called Changemakers. Super Bowl Changemakers. Let's talk Changemakers in the Super Bowl. Everyone's right, rightfully focused on Mahomes versus Hurts. But the game, of course, is going to be a little bigger than that. The question I'm being asked is outside of the quarterbacks, who will be the biggest change maker in the Super Bowl? So I think folks would expect me to say Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey, who comes into this game with the second most yards, second most touchdowns, and second most catches in playoff history. Not amongst tight ends, amongst all players. Travis, it is Jerry Rice, number one on every list. Travis Kelsey, number two on every list. One list Travis Kelsey actually is number one on is playoff yards per game as a receiver, all-time leader, but he is not my answer. It is someone else who is top three all-time historically in the playoffs who plays for the Chiefs. So who could I be talking about? Because you guys said other than the quarterbacks. Would you believe me if I told you all-time NFL history, playoff sack leaders list goes like this. Number one, Willie McGinnis at 16. Number two, Bruce Smith at 14 and a half. I'm going to skip three for a moment. Number four is Terrell Suggs at 12 and a half. Number five is Reggie White at 12. Number three, with 13 and a half career playoff sacks, one sack out of second place and two and a half sacks out of the most all time, is Frank Clark. Chiefs defensive end, one of the first major acquisitions Brett Beach, Chiefs GM, made, trading a first-round pick for Frank Clark. If we're being honest, Frank has been underwhelming in every regular season of his career with the Chiefs and then has turned into a different player each and every postseason. Frank Clark, the year the Chiefs won the Super Bowl, had five sacks in that run. The next year when they made the Super Bowl, he had three. And this year, he already has two and a half. Whether it's on Lane Johnson's side, who's dealing with a torn groin, or whether it's on the, the other side, left tackle, I think Frank Clark is going to make a splash play in this game or two. I think Frank Clark is going to move into second place 
on the all-time playoff sack list. And I think while everyone is focused on Chris Jones, who arguably was the best defensive player in the entire league this year, Frank Clark could make a big play or two. So I'm going to say he's our change maker presented by our friends at Visa. Time now for a game. We call it right or wrong. Vegas has Jalen Hurts' rushing total at 48 and a half. Right or wrong, Hurts will be a more lethal runner than passer. In this game, I think that is right. I think that the Chiefs, while they have played, listen, they've played Josh Allen, they've played Joe Burrow twice. They there's they have a lot of experience against good quarterbacks. They played the Prince. They don't have a ton of experience against the league's most mobile quarterbacks. And I'm very interested this year, that is. I'm very interested to see how they do on the read option. I'm very interested to see how they defend it. I just mentioned Frank Clark. If he keeps his lane integrity, if you will, and I think Jalen's going to struggle throwing the football, so I am more worried about Jalen Hurts as a runner, particularly in that third and one and fourth and one where they've kind of hacked the system on how to get those. So I'm going to say that is right. Next, reports surfaced this week that in 2011, during the NBA's lockout, LeBron considered trying out for the Cowboys. Right or wrong, LeBron would have been an all-pro. All right, Demonze, my co-host. And by the way, I am now learning a lot of people who watch this show, some of whom work for the company, are unaware that Demonze is my son. And I, I, said to, I said to two people in the last week, host the podcast with my son, and it's people that watch the show and said, that's your kid? I'm like, yeah. So my, you, you, you thought he got the gig based on, no, I'm kidding. Demonze, you've done a great job. Uh, and I know he's in the chat, and I also know he's going to kill me for this take here. But, of course, LeBron would have been an unstoppable tight end. The guy is the greatest athletic specimen the world has ever produced. Yeah, I think he could have been an all-pro tight end for the Cowboys. Jimmy Graham was an all-pro. Of course, LeBron could have been. That's not even worth debating. Next, trade talks for Derek Carr have begun. Right or wrong, the Saints are the right match for Derek Carr. Wrong. The Saints need to admit that it is time to tear it down. I don't think people, because the Saints keep putting it, no pun intended, for our friends at Visa, putting it all on the credit card. I want people to understand something here, okay? The Saints at this moment are $62 million over Next year's salary cap, they are incomprehensibly $57 million over the following year's salary cap. So, and I know that they're just going to keep doing these funny contracts with void years and dead money, but eventually that shell game ends. And so they are, they are in a position, dead money-wise, setting themselves up for pain we've never seen. I understood them doing it when Drew was there and they were like, let's try to peel one more Super Bowl. But it's now over for them and they need to take their medicine and tear it down. They refuse to do it. I think it would be not wishful thinking. It would be delusional thinking to act as if 
bringing in Derek Carr is going to make you a real contender. It's just going to avoid the inevitable reality. I mean, this is a team that traded away this year's first-round pick because they thought they were close. They're not close. Next, people are excited for this year's halftime show. You're damn straight, right or wrong. Rihanna's the best possible halftime performer in 2023. You know what? I am, I am not going. Listen, I think Rihanna is brilliant performer and somehow an even more brilliant businesswoman. With that said, this question, I'm too smart to answer this question. This question is just setting me up for failure no matter what. Is I'm either going to insult Beyonce or the late great Prince or get people mad and I don't need Rihanna fans upset with me. I, you know what I mean? Stephen A. walks so other of us can run. I'm not, I'm not falling into that trap, you guys. I'm very excited for Rihanna. I think it's going to be great. She hasn't performed in like a decade. It'll be wonderful. I'm not answering that question. Next, everybody knows I'm not big on fantasy football, and I don't like what we would call non-traditional gamble. Right or wrong, I hate Super Bowl squares. No, you nailed it. Guys, can, can I know it's the Super Bowl, but can we still gamble with some dignity? Can we please be grown-ups? You want to go just have random, if, if a random square hits, win money, every city in America's got a bingo parlor. Go there. This is the, and I wish Demonze were here because I'm not, I, I'm guessing he doesn't even, isn't familiar with squares, but once he becomes familiar with it, he's going to love it. And you have four chances to win the quarters, the half, the end of the game. There is no skill to it whatsoever. No, I'm not into Super Bowl squares. I'm not into gimmicky gambling. Same reason I, I'm not into, I, no. Bet the games. Study the games. Make educated guesses. Put your money in. Don't hedge. These are all things just like, you know how people say we need to remake the educational system in America? And I agree with them. Like spending time, like teaching our kids cursive when we should be teaching them, like how to type. Spending time, there are certain things, it's like you graduate from high school and you have the periodic table memorized, but you don't know how, uh, you know, how to balance a checkbook. Well, I guess balancing a checkbook is kind of archaic at this time as well, but you don't know how to apply for an apartment or a car loan and things like that. And I'm sure, by the way, our friends at Visa can probably help you with all those things. Um, but, uh, but I would like now that gambling's legal and in the mainstream, there to be, you know, an entry-level optional course at colleges of how to gamble with some dignity and self-respect and how to and how to do it properly, responsibly, and not sound like a child. Demonze types in, I don't know what they are indeed. Yeah, look, the, the shorthand of Super Bowl Squares is this. You have a grid of zero to nine, zero to nine, so 100 possible outcomes and you randomly get assigned, and so the x-axis would be the Chiefs, the y-axis would be the Eagles, and let's say the square you get is 4-6. If any, And it's a 4 for the Chiefs and a 6 for the Eagles. That would kind of be a bad square. But if any quarter ends where the single-digit number for either team's score hits both of yours, you win the pot for that quarter. So if you had four Chiefs, six Eagles, 
your possible outcomes would be a 14 to six Chiefs lead, a 14 to 16 Eagles lead. So obviously on squares, the most valuable spots are the zeros, the threes, the sevens, and the fours. You, what you don't want is a nine, five square. You just ripped your square up. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to get a 19 or a nine to 15 game? No, but again, I can play scratch off tickets too. If not into it last. Demonze has unmonitored access to Fox bet back in New York while I'm here. Right or wrong. Demonze is going to bet ridiculous props without me stopping. him. Demonze has been with one exception a responsible gambler. Now, he's not been a winning gambler, but he's been a responsible gambler. And I, you know, I I am not going to this game because I can't watch the Super Bowl that my team's in around other people. I, I can watch it with Demonze at my house by ourselves. I get back to New York about 1 p.m. Sunday. Son, that gives us five hours to study these props and do them correctly. So I hope you can hold off until I get there. But I think he's going to, he's been good on this. He's been relatively speaking, you know, my dad, my, I, my dad was from Kansas city and was in New York this past weekend for my niece's birthday. And by the way, pops, I got three kids. No, don't, you know, they all have birthdays too. Oh, but your favorite child, your daughter's kid has a birthday. You got to come down. Sorry, dad. Um, and he and I went out to dinner and he tried to give me like a stern talking to about my gambling. It's like, I'm worried about it. I'm like, dad, stop it. And eventually I was like, pops, it's in our blood. And he had the audacity to look me in my eye and say, what are you talking about? And sorry, I'm now, it's past statute of limitations, dad. You're 70 years old. You're fine. You lived a great life, wonderful career. No one come get you for it. I'm like, dad, we both know you used to make your living as a gambler. We know that when you and my mom got married, she made you quit. And he like sheepishly, and he's like, how'd you know that? I'm like, I don't know, because I'm a, I, I, because I'm cognizant. So it's in our blood. It's in Demonte's blood. He's got to do it responsibly. I'm not going to tell him not to gamble. His mom might. I'm not. All right. Here's the deal. I'm now going to jump into the chat. We're going to take a very quick break here, guys. Technically, if we can do it, let's try to do a 60 second break and come back and read your guys' questions for the people in the YouTube chat. And then I'm going to head right over to that building right behind me to do the television show. Quick break, right back, what's right. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. All right, welcome back in episode 128, What's Right with Nick Wright. What's Right with Nick Wright, episode 128, presented by our friends at Visa, live from the Super Bowl. We now jump into the YouTube comments to read your guys' comments and questions. Omer Klein from Tel Aviv writes in, when winning the title would probably be semi-impressive at best, can a failure with the Suns hurt Katie's legacy? Guy says he's the number one fan in the Middle East. So first of all, Omer, thank you so much for watching from Tel Aviv. 
My mom used to actually uh, work with a company, uh, a telecom company that was based in Tel Aviv. So she spent one week a month in Tel Aviv for a few years. I've never been. I hear it's absolutely a gorgeous, gorgeous city. Appreciate you watching from there. So, yeah, I... I think the ante just got upped massively for Durant because if while they they absolutely can win the title, they also absolutely can get bounced in round two, depending on the matchups. And I think that would be he was in a bit of a legacy free roll in Brooklyn once Kyrie asked out. He would get credit for however far he took them, and if if they lost early they'd say well what do you want from me? he's the only star on the team now the ante's been up but I what I will say about Durant is I mean the dude just loves playing ball and is obviously great now the health he and so Booker's already been hurt this year Durant is repeatedly hurt over the last few years and obviously Chris Paul's a major health concern so all those things are concerning to me and that is I just want to make one point real quick so the one of the things I hear about, you know, whether or not the Lakers should have gone all in, whether or not the Lakers can win, you know, compete with LeBron at this point in his career at the championship level is I hear all the time, well, the injury concern. The, there are three all-time legendary players right now in the NBA who are older. Steph, Durant, and LeBron. And LeBron is obviously far older, four years older than all of them. Yet, despite that, Durant, or I'm sorry, LeBron is consistently, even at the most injured portion of his career, healthier than all of them. This year, LeBron has played 44 games. Durant has played 39, and Steph has played 38. All right, well, what about just take LeBron suffered his first significant injury of his career when he got to the Lakers. That's the last five years. In the last five years, LeBron has played 267 games. Steph Curry, in that same timeline, has played 239 games. Kevin Durant, in that same timeline, has played 207 games. Oh, well, Nick, that's unfair because Durant missed a whole season. Okay, in just the last three years, just the last three years, Durant has played 129 games. And in just the last three years, LeBron has played 145 games. And in just the last three years, Steph Curry has played, I think, slightly more than LeBron, but right, right in line with it. Let me give you the exact number. 165 games. So unless you're going to argue that Durant and Steph are too big of a health risk to try to win right now, I don't know how you can argue that with LeBron. Next, Anders Olsen asks, Nick, do you see any of the other top contending teams making a roster move now in response to KD and Phoenix. Well, Memphis needs to make a move. Denver's going to stand pat. Milwaukee and Boston could make moves around the margins. The one big move that could be coming would be Philly. They still have that Tobias contract and Maxi if they want to move if they want to add a player plus Tobias's contract to try to make a major, major move. I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be on the board. But the biggest moves probably already got made. Justin Rimpey says, Nick, is a Nets season ticket holder? How does the Nets staring it down make you feel? Listen, 
I mean, it's obviously not great for my viewing pleasure of watching the Nets. But one of the great things about NBA season tickets is you go there to watch, unless you're a diehard fan of the team you're going to, you go there to watch the other players as much as anything. Like Saturday, obviously, you know, it's the day before the Super Bowl. But Saturday, the Sixers are coming to Brooklyn. Seeing Embiid and Harden will be great. Now, the big bummer for me as a Nets season ticket holder is with Durant and Kyrie gone, the best things are the playoff games. And now even if they sneak into the playoffs, it won't be for long. And so, so yeah, I mean, it's not ideal, but I got those season tickets and six days later was when Durant demanded a trade this summer. And so there was a chance that it was going to be no Durant, no Kyrie all year. All right, next, Thomas Preday writes, or Joe Pinfield says, hey, Nick, if Kareem had gone straight from high school to the pros, do you think the scoring title would be unbreakable? Absolutely. Absolutely. Kareem was the best basketball player alive by the time he was 19 years old. It's why I think he's the second greatest player ever. It's why, well, you know what? I shouldn't say unbreakable because I don't know how much longer LeBron's going to play, but it would be, you know, in the 40s as far as thousands go. And Kareem's basketball life, Lost once in high school, lost twice in college, national player of the year every year, champion every year, six championships, 10 finals trips, six league MVPs. His basketball life is unimpeachable. Now Thomas Friday writes, very wrong on LeBron. There's so much goes that goes into being an NFL caliber player, and we have no idea if LeBron possessed those tools, but we do. He was an all-state high school player. Oh, Nick, what does that matter? It matters a little bit. We also know a lot of the tools are, how durable are you? Well, he's been the most durable athlete in NBA history. How big and strong are you? Well, he's 6'8", 270. Listen, I'm not saying he'd be an all-time great soccer player. I do think he'd be a hell of a goalie if you taught him that, though. The leaping ability, length, like an octopus back there. But, no, it's not complicated. Some of these guys, you see, there's a lot goes into being a great golfer. Yet, Steph Curry and Patrick Mahomes are scratch golfers. You know why? They're just great natural athletes. Of course, LeBron could have been a tight end. Give me a break. Gabe Goodman says, nope, not reading that question, Gabe. Trying to get me canceled. That's not going to happen. Visa, we appreciate you and we love you. Thank you for being the first ever title sponsor of What's Right with Nick Wright. Hopefully this starts a long, fruitful relationship. My friends at Visa, more friends at Visa, more friends at Visa right here. Thank you to all the viewers for watching on YouTube. And we got a monster TV show scheduled for you guys today. So hope you check it out. And I'm going to, little little teaser for the TV show. I'm going to really, really try to WWE heel style the Eagles fans in the crowd. Like, I don't know what our security setup is, but I'm going to push the boundaries on messing with these Eagles fans since we have a live studio audience for a couple of days. And if one of them attacks me, I'll just throw Kevin Wilds in front of him. Talk to you guys on Monday. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Go Chiefs. See you on TV in a few hours. What's right?